Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Uh, is this on? Paul, how are you? Hey, guess, remember me? <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy. We were, we, were, we were just laughing, <laughs> laughing between ourselves and the fact that our last episode recording together was in October <laughs> about the Ignite announcement. Yeah, so happy Halloween, happy Thanksgiving, happy Christmas, happy New Year. <laughs> I think we're caught up, right? <laughs> That's what happens when life gets busy and I take four weeks off for Christmas vacation to Australia. And actually, I think the biggest problem has been trying to find news. That was the... Yes. Getting someone on the show to talk about something that's been launched. I think it was a quiet quarter for M365 development a little bit. It's, it's, it was. It was. Um, you know, now that you mention it, it, it did occur to me, right? So, at the ESPC in Copenhagen, the developer keynote was Zvesa and a bunch of the PMP MVPs. And, and again, there wasn't a lot of news. I mean, there were announcements from the SharePoint group, but not a lot of new developer stuff. Right. Is more, right. more how to use it, which was a great session. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to uh, show all the stuff that they did uh, in a podcast. But, yeah, excellent. But, yeah, but, but it's good. Uh, you know, in, in life, you say life gets in the way. You have holidays yeah. and Christmas and vacation times and stuff. So, but good to see you again. Nice to, nice to <laughs> get back in the thing. And thanks for – and thank you to Aicha for, for yeah, right. carrying the bucket for for me and, and getting a bunch of ISVs. I'm, I'm sure ISVs are sick of hearing Adam 365 being blabbed up by me every week. So, it's, I, in that regard, I think it's been good. Oh, the irony was the plan there was is that we would dial back me and you talking to every other week and Aitra and I would do partners the in between. Oh, every other and week, not every <laughs> other semester. I'm sorry. <laughs> and we would have enough content, but here we are <laughs> three months later uh, with uh, Juan and uh, Amira on uh, to talk about this. So it's... Uh, no, it's good. I, I'm, I'm glad we finally get to chat and record. So, what news has there been, Paul? What have you found? The most noteworthy thing from my 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 world is the SharePoint pages hitting uh, Microsoft Graph. Uh, this is in a public preview, and it's not as full featured as as underscore API would SharePoint REST would be for those who've been around forever. But I'm glad it's finally there. Right? It's been it's been a conversation for quite some time. It's finally moving along, and I'm sure once the initial stuff's out, add-ons will come in as necessary. So, that to me, that that's the that's the big thing. So, um, I'm great to see great to see that moving. But but don't throw away the community library just yet, because sometimes you need more details, and 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 it's in there, and plus the PNP stuff. So, that that's a, a big thing on, on that. I'm not sure how involved you've been with that, but that certainly is a good news to finally show up. Yeah, there was a lot of feedback through our the communities that my team runs, the TAP and the MVPs and our internal field as well. You know, they gave a lot of strong signal at the beginning of last year and it kind of accelerated getting this stuff out the door. I think there's still work to be done, as you say. Like there's the PMP library is still going to be re- relied upon a lot because of the features that are missing from the graph. But it's a, you know, steady step in the right direction, I think, for, for SharePoint pages. 
and Waldeck was busy, I noticed too, if you saw that, the, the graph developer proxy, which I have to admit, I haven't used it yet, but I can see the need for it. So for those who, who don't know, well, Waldeck, obviously, who's longtime dev and, and does the, the talk with Vesa every week, but he, he hacked together a little proxy on your machine that'll pretend that things fail in the graph and 429s and throttling and all kinds of interesting stuff there. So it helps you harden your code, which is a, always a, a good thing to do. So thanks to Waldeck for getting that out. Yeah, it's clever. We had the Chaos Giraffe, that's been like five years ago now, I remember announcing that. Oh, uh, that was a while ago. I forgot about that. Yeah. The Chaos Handler. The Chaos yeah. Handler. And that was um, the .NET. But this, the proxy is very clever in how it does it. You know, I think the big scenarios is you can start simulating errors to see whether your applications are going to work correctly and, you know, start to monitor your calls you know, from an, uh, an auditing perspective as well looking at you know what's going on so it's clever um it's a 0.3 release at the moment but um they're being pretty active on it um both Waldeck and gary gary trinder who's another cloud advocate for m365 so definitely check that out if you're doing anything with the graph and looking for some bit more monitoring and ability to kind of simulate graphs throttling and various different bits and pieces although i have to admit if you're using .NET for a thousand years like me the SDK handles 429 retries automatically. So, yeah, that's right. Magic. <laughs> exactly. Love the magic. Love the magic. And then um, Maisa uh, Rissi, uh, the PM for the PowerShell stuff, working with Peter uh, in the engineering there. And well, there's a bunch of others that work on it, but they're the two main kind of leads on this. They've released the preview of the V2 um, of the graph PowerShell commandlets, and they're looking for feedback. And actually, uh, this week we just met with the MVPs. Um, to get their feedback on it. And there was a lot of really good feedback on like what's still not quite right about V2 that they would like to see as PowerShell people. So if you are using those PowerShell commandlets or even if you're using the other alternatives, um, please go on GitHub and, and give your feedback there because there is some significant decisions being made in the next few uh, months that um, the more the more signal we have, the better it is about and more convicted we feel about the decisions we're making there. So definitely check out that if you're doing anything with PowerShell and the graph. And before we go, right, so hey, hey, devs, go find the, the person who's doing administration in your organization Very true. and point them at this, right? Because I, like I said, I don't use PowerShell that often. It's just not what I need to do my job. But I know people who do. And so sharing the, spreading the word is, is much appreciated. Yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah, and then lastly, um, we're, uh, a big effort in getting out this principles for monetizing selected Microsoft 365 APIs. Too many people to mention were involved in that blog post. Um, it took almost six months of writing and approvals and um, you know getting everyone in the shared understanding on exactly what we mean and what we want to say publicly. And I think it should ease some of the rumors or concerns that some directions we were going in, in in metering some APIs on the graph and being a bit more transparent with everyone on what's going on. And so, um, yeah, please give that a read. And if you have any comments, add them into the blog posts. You can sign in and, and post your comments there or reach out to us directly. We are looking for more feedback there. That came out in December 10th, right before I went on leave. And it was about the only, <laughs> it was the only thing I checked, <laughs> which is to see what kind of feedback was coming through on social around that. And it was pretty quiet. Um, primarily because I think we um, we in pre-informed a lot of partners in our TAP, our technology option program, and you know the MVPs actually had access to the drafts early to give feedback on how we were messaging. So it was a it was a good exercise to all that because I think it we felt really com you know convicted and like confident 
of what we would announce wasn't going to be too much of a shock to the system there and and you know all, all voices were heard but please check that out and let us know what you think of it i would agree no, no shock to the system it's exactly what i had expected so so uh this week you uh, got an interview for us thank you very much <laughs> That's the right. Outlook for Windows is what uh, is what I'm reading in our notepad here. We had Ashima and Juan on uh, to talk about Outlook for Windows. So uh, really good conversation. Juan's been on a few times. Um, this is Ashima's first time um, on the show. And uh, now I learned a bunch of stuff, actually. So enjoy the show. And uh, I'll see you soon, Paul, hopefully. <laughs> we'll go find some more guests. All right. I'll see you in the summer. No. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for your patience. And uh, look forward to chatting next time. Okay, so I'm here today with Juan Balmary Labra and Asher Mamathur. Welcome to the show, folks. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy. Thank you. It's nice to be here. For those that don't know you, could you introduce yourself, Ashmer, and, and where you are in the world? I'm Ashma Mathur. I work in the new Outlook for Windows team, and I'm based out of the Mountain View uh, office in California, and it's our brand new SVC campus here. Yeah, very fancy. I remember when they sent that email announcement around about those offices and the fact you get free food. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming that pulls in a good crowd. A lot of folks come in here. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the drivers. <laughs> and Juan, we'd had you on before, like a ribbon, we only get free talking rain soda. That's right. But uh, not quite as good as food. And lousy coffee, yeah. <laughs> and coffee. Oh, I have heard there's some fancy coffee machines. I don't drink tea or coffee, so that's not really an excitement thing for me. But oh, really? So for those that don't uh, or haven't heard you on the show before, Juan, can you introduce yourself and what you work on at Microsoft? Yeah, so this is Juan Balmori here. I have been in your show a couple of times, you know, talking about everything that I have done in the last many years, you know, Excel development, Word development. And since a few years, I've been helping the Outlook ecosystem right now. So basically, I'm the PM for Outlook add-ins extensibility. And I have been working actually, Ashima, before joining, you know, the new Outlook team. She was also working on extensibility for a little bit, right, Ashima? Absolutely. In, in the Mac, right? Yeah, good times. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> Well, as a Mac person, thank you for making sure add-ins work on a Mac. That's awesome. How long have you been at Microsoft, Juan? I am going with the Century. I mean, this is my 23rd year at Microsoft. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. So, in two, in two years, I'm going to get the huge crystal, you know? Yeah, that's really amazing. Good for you. Yeah. Like a blink of an eye, it went, you know? Yeah, no joke. I've been back for nearly six years after my first three-year stint, so... Plus your previous uh, tenure in marketing, no? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, on the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> Which we'll talk about now, to put the dark side. So the new Outlook for Windows is a very Microsofty name. Do you want to talk about that, Ashima, and what it actually means for people that are Outlook users? Absolutely. Yeah, it's thanks for that question. And I'm really excited to talk about the new Outlook for Windows. Uh, one of the biggest feedbacks that we've received in Outlook is that Outlook is different on different platforms. We have hundreds of millions of users, but they don't experience the same product. For example, there are some features like board view that are available on Outlook web, but not on Outlook Windows, 
or the Windows Mail app, the shortcuts on Outlook Windows are completely different um, compared to Outlook Web and so on. And so users need to learn different behaviors as they use Outlook across different platforms. Um, it's also hard for IT admins to manage these different Outlook products, as well as for support teams to troubleshoot issues when the core behaviors themselves are quite different, right? So with the new Outlook for Windows app, we're aiming to bring a consistent, beautiful, robust and customizable Outlook experience to our users on Windows. Uh, we are also focused on driving engineering agility and platform parity by leveraging a shared code base. So the new Outlook for Windows actually leverages the Outlook web code base and it's in a native wrapper. So this allows us to deliver new experiences faster along with the advantages of a native app and make sure that you know we have parity across the different Outlooks out there. I must admit that is a really good thing in the sense that I actually run on the Mac now and I have done for a while. When I was on a Windows machine, I always found myself having to leap into a browser and go to Outlook to do certain things that didn't exist in the Win32 client. So, exactly. I mean, as a tech person, sure, it's a tax, but it's a tax I'm willing to pay. But my mother would never put up with that kind of thing of having the room of where things get done. So the fact we're consolidating that is great. And actually, I ended up just fully using the browser version of Outlook because I found it faster and the features were there quicker than when they would appear in the Win32 Outlook. So yeah, that, that's that's really neat from that side. So there was a blog post, it was May of last year, where we kind of announced the new Outlook for Windows. When is that available? Like when can people kind of get that in their hands to, to play with that as a, a normal Joe Public or what's the plan for that? Yeah, so the new Outlook for Windows is available to all Office Insiders via an opt-in toggle right now. Um, we only support Microsoft Work and school accounts and personal accounts like Hotmail, Outlook.com and Windows Live today. But we'll soon be adding support for Gmail, Yahoo, iCloud and uh, more as well. So we plan to roll out the new Outlook for Windows preview app to production users sometime this year. So things are getting really exciting, really fast. Yeah, there's some great features I've been using, actually, which is in the Mac client, but I know it's in our around like accepting meetings and, you know, saying you're going to accept in person or uh, virtually, which is super helpful, like in the situation I'm in where sometimes I go to campus and sometimes I don't. Um, and like some of those features don't exist in the different Outlook clients. So having that go away and just be one experience is a, is a really neat thing. And the toggle is pretty straightforward. It's just in the top right-hand corner, right? You just click try the new new Outlook and it will flip over. Right, exactly. Yeah, if you are in Insiders and you have the right accounts, like you have either a work or school account or a Microsoft personal account, then you will see that toggle. And then you can just toggle in um, and start to use uh, the new Outlook right away. In the top right corner, right? There's like a toggle to try the new Outlook. Yeah. That's really cool. And uh, for the techies out there, obviously being a developer podcast, when it's a wrapper in the in the Windows operating system, is that the same technology under the covers that Teams uses and other platforms like Slack use? Or what did they use as the runtime? Do you know? It's slightly different. I, th I think Teams, uh, what Teams use, uses is different. But what we have is essentially um, a web JS, um, and then we have a wrapper around that. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. 
it's like WebView 2 and then a wrapper around the WebView 2. Oh, WebView 2. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I must admit when I was using Windows when this was internally being dog fooded, it was so fast, which was, you know, a, you know, a living male for uh, being a PM, which I know you, you too will as well. And so the fact it's that fast is really, really good. And, um, you know, zippy as you're using it in the browser. So that's awesome. Well, I'm glad you're working on that, Ashima. That's great. But I guess then for those listening, the question becomes, please tell me that all those add-ins that I've been building for the last, however long we've been building web addings for, is going to work in this new Outlook for Windows. Yeah. Come on, Juan, be good for me. That is exactly why I, I think we it was great that, that you know, to have this episode with you because Ashima mentioned a, a few of the benefits of the, of the new Outlook, you know, that it's going to be, we're going to have rapid access to the new features. And also from a technical side, we're also going to have some decrease in engineering, no? Because uh, since this is going to be based on the web clients, you know, we're going to have this reduction of multi-platform costs, right? And we're going to get, you know, the consistent experience across platforms. But for developers, uh, given that, uh, you know, the new Outlook, is, it's based in the web clients. This means that, you know, the commanding model that it's supported today in in the Windows platform is not going to be supported in Monarch. No? So the technology that it's going to be available for uh, extending uh, the new Outlook, it's going to be web add-ins, which uh, you pointed out, right? You know, it's, we've, it's a platform that we've been enriching in the last at least seven years and has um, millions of, of monthly active users. Um, and basically, what we want to communicate today is that all the investments of add-ins that have been created using web, the web add-in technology are going to be, basically, will work uh, in Monarch. Um, in fact, one of the call to actions that we want to share with, with the audience is that if you go and toggle the new to the new Outlook, you can actually try your existing web add-ins and find out that they are going to work. You know, we, we've been kind of working closely with Ashima's team on enabling uh, the existing web add-ins, no? So that is something that that is kind of the step zero from my perspective, no? The web add-ins are supported in the new in the new Outlook, but also one of the things that, that uh, it's still challenging for Outlook developers is that the COM BSTO model, it's very, it's uh, <laughs> API-wise, it's uh, it's richer than, than the web add-in model still. So evidently, our team is kind of, you know, doubling down on, on working on, on critical gaps, you know, that we have for for the web adding platform. And, and currently, we're collaborating with a lot of ISBs who have kind of the higher bit in terms of usage of web add-ins so that we kind of tackle all those gaps and making sure that there's a, a path forward in, uh, in the new Outlook for, for Outlook developers. So I guess my first question would be for those that have com add-ins, whether it be a line of business application that an internal enterprise developers built, or maybe a uh, an ISV that's selling this to multiple customers, how long will has there been a end of life announced for the current Outlook Win32 desktop client that where Win with com add-ins work, or has that not been announced yet? No, there there has not been any announcements in that regard. But the way that I look at it is it's more like a journey, right? It's like we don't have a set date where we're going to transition from one day to the other, you know, into into the new outlook. I, I believe it's going to be something more to what happened in the Mac, you know, that uh, we also had a new, had like a similar transition with the new, I, new UI. 
and you know it took you know a couple of years to to complete but i don't know actually maybe you want to add more details to that you know Exactly, Juan. You nailed it. We're still in our, uh, you know, we're still out only to insiders audiences. Um, and one of the reasons that we invite our beta and insiders audiences to try the preview early on is so we can get feedback on capabilities that users are missing. And it helps us validate our assumptions and invest in the right set of features to unlock the most value. So, you know, we, we continue to receive thousands of pieces of feedback since um, we rolled out to beta audience. And we have checked off some of the top, um, you know, asks like web add-ins, quick steps, multi-account, and we're working on new features as well. So it is still going to be some time till we actually, uh, you know, come out as a production app. We will launch next to Prod as a preview app, and we'll still, you know, start to get more feedback coming in and we'll be evaluating that feedback. Yeah, I do remember when I was trialing this in dog food internally, the multi-account was the big sticker for me, which, you know, with Outlook Web on a browser, I would end up having different profiles of edge running with OWA running in each profile so I could have my personal email and my work email at the same time. But there are benefits of multi-account for dragging and dropping between mailboxes. So it's good that we're going to get to that with the uh, new Outlook for Windows. Juan, I think for me, uh, the way I would see the benefit of this is that you can push out updates now because it's web-based and not client-based without relying on the customer updating the Outlook clients and everybody's laptops, right? So this is a product manager's dream for you from where you are at the moment. <laughs> You're exactly right. So the way it works today for everybody who, many people are aware of this process, but everything that is checked in in the current month, in the monthly channel for Office, for Microsoft 365, it's going to see the light a month and a half from now. And that build will become main, mainstream like in four months after we, we actually checked in the code. And that's for the monthly channel. If you go to the semi-annual channel, you, you, you get, you know, that's updated just two times a year. Uh, so you can get, depending on the feature, you can get, you can get, depending on, depending on when we release the feature, you can get it even a year after we checked it in, you know? So what we love about about uh, the new Outlook is that this is going to be as fast as OWA, as the web clients. And, you know, our customers are going to get the benefits sooner, right? So that's that's always awesome. And I think as an ISV, like if you're using the latest features that on the show we've announced for Outlook web addings, like having to do that check to make sure the customer has the version that supports it can cause challenges that this will kind of eliminate once everyone's over onto the new Outlook. So that's right. I think for developers, this is a good story um, to make sure we don't get in those pickles of compatibility matrixes and customers getting frustrated that certain features don't work that they were maybe demoed when they were pitched the product and it's because they're not on the latest versions. Exactly. Um, yes, that's going to help for sure. No, the other thing that I want to share is that, you know, we, we know that there are, uh, you know, there are many add-ins out there, Outlook add-ins that are mission critical, that are critical for business, that are, you know, add-ins like security add-ins that are used for spam reporting, for, you know, for uh, DLP purposes, data classification and encryption. All those scenarios for us are uh, super important, no? Right, right. So if you, if you look at the features that we are working on right now, uh, you will find out that, that we're precisely focusing on enabling those those scenarios, no? having add-ins running in the background when you send an email, 
you know, exposing a sensitivity API so that you can classify documents. Uh, but like directly in the add-in, that'd be really cool. That from the add-in or that, it, or that the add-in can actually know what is the classification that an item has so that it can behave accordingly to that classification. So we are working in all these features, you know, that, that we are prioritizing our backlog uh, based on the security scenarios first. That is the, the first category of, of uh, first category of add-ins that are <laughs> mission critical, that are uh, super important in, in for our uh, business uh, customers. And then we get into other types of add-ins like online meeting providers, you know. Uh, unfortunately, not, not everybody in the world uses Teams, so they use other alternatives and they have experiences within Outlook that are extremely successful. And then finally, we, we got the CRM kind of uh, tier you know, of, of add-ins that are also considered mission critical. And and so all the features that we are working today, uh, plus many others, are benefiting right now those scenarios. No? With new Outlook coming, has that impacted your ability to focus on shipping new features for add-ins? Or, and, and how is the train... Will there be features that come out with web add-ins that only benefit new Outlook versus like Win32 Outlook moving forward? No, what the team is going to be doing is that we're going to keep releasing features. And the philosophy is if they work in the web clients in OWA, they are also going to be working in the new Outlook. Right. So today, new Outlook supports web add-ins. So any capability that you have in OWA is here. But I, I think that there's a lot more investment based on what Juan is saying that's going on in the web add-ins platform and is going to become much richer. So I feel like there's um, more opportunity for more add-ins to move from com world to the web add-in world and get that support in new Outlook for Windows, as well as Mac, as well as Outlook web, right? So they just build it once and they deploy it or they get that support across all other clients. I guess my question was, is like, if I'm targeting a customer base on the Win32 Outlook, there might be a point in time, even now or in the future, where add-in features won't be available in that? No, that, that has not been, we have not planned to to, to do that, you know. So, so far, we don't have clarity on, on, on how, what's going to happen. But everything that we're going to be doing, it's also going to have a story right now for Win32. Uh, and for the other platforms. No? So this is in no way kind of slowing down our innovation, but it is definitely impacting our prioritization. So we, we want to make sure that everything that it's on the backlog, it's going to help make the web adding platform uh, richer so that com addings can move, right? The other call to, to action is that uh, evidently right now we are uh, engaging with the uh, top used addings, we are also engaging with specific tenants, with specific customers that have in-house developed add-ins and helping them to be moved to web add-ins. And basically, uh, a call to action here, if anybody is just creating a, or has a com add-in and wants to be supported in in the new Outlook, uh, we want to hear from you. We want to engage. This is the right time to work with us, share your gaps. You know, uh, Maybe what you need, it's already on the backlog because it happens to be that this these add-ins that we are tackling right now are so rich in their functionality that by enabling them, you not only enable those scenarios, but also other types of maybe not so used scenarios, but still important that we definitely want to to also support. No, so AKAMS slash Dev New Outlook 
you will find a way of how to engage directly with us and, and chat about your your scenarios. That's good. I'm I'm glad you you're doing that. It's it's something that we do in the graph world, like, and we've been chatting about this offline one with the uh, EWS API and the Outlook REST APIs. And for those that have been following along, um, in December we announced uh, that we weren't going to be deprecating Outlook REST um, at the end of December. 2022 and that we are revisiting a new deprecation date for that which you can assume is going to be at least six months out because we weren't even able to provide a date in the blog post which wasn't that happy about but at least we we've given people more time with outlook rest and the main reason was is that there are still gaps uh between outlook rest and the microsoft graph that we didn't want to put major partners of ours externally in a in a troublesome position and so we've given just a little bit more time there and given ourselves a little bit more time so mate I, i'm so happy that you mentioned that because yeah oh it's key to outlook developers right outlook guidance given that the api is not as rich as the com one uh you know the workaround is to use is to use the graph ideally or rest apis or ews no so when we announced that the rest uh, api was being deprecated um Many Outlook developers were kind of worried about it, and I'm happy that you mentioned that in this podcast. No, that it's yeah, no, it's important. I was kind of joking with Greg, who's on my team, that has been the person that's been involved in deprecating basic authentication on AWS, and he was like, "Why did we do the date as December 31st? I've taken two weeks off over Christmas. No, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah, that's not a very good date. <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, imagine all the external partners that also feel that pain that. They also need to check emails to make sure everything's gone smoothly once we turn certain things off. And so we've kind of had this internal thing now, like, you know, end of February is a good time to do deprecations because everyone's back in the office. Right. There's not as many vacations right. going on. So, yeah, we've learned the hard way with that one. But um, Greg has done an amazing job with EWS. The reason I bring up EWS is that there is a misperception that we, ha we are deprecating. or We've put a date on deprecation of EWS all up. We deprecated basic authentication for EWS, but the overarching EWS API can still be called if you use OAuth flows. That's right. Um, we are planning to do it, but there are enormous gaps um, on that public folders, archive mailboxes, just to name two, that aren't available on the Graph API. And so Outlook developers have still got a while before that happens, but just keep that in back pocket that we do intend to, but we can't just yet. You know, one of the things that we are trying to improve here is that, I mean, consuming EWS and REST from an Outlook admin perspective is extremely easy. You know, there's an API that you, you basically, you get a token and boom, you're, you're a game, right? It's ridiculously easy. Yeah. With your credentials, you have certain permissions to consume certain services, no? And with the graph, it's, it's a bit more complicated. I mean, it's, with greater security and flexibility comes more, a little bit more complexity, you know, and, and sometimes... If we don't have, for example, a good single sign-on story or a good kind of admin consent deployment story, we are not going to reach that level of experience with the graph, no? So uh, the team is actually working also in that, no? To, to making sure that consuming the graph uh, programmatically and from an end user perspective, it's more uh, usable, no? Yeah, that'd be good. That's huge. Cool. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. And so 
aka.ms slash dev new outlook is a place if you want to engage with the team on providing feedback on any gaps between com add-ins and the web add-ins um, to make sure that there aren't any blind spots. I will say people might roll their eyes like, how comes we don't know where the blind spots are? But you'd be surprised. Like I, we've done this exercise with EWS and Outlook REST and we've been told about things that we'd not considered. So um, it isn't just as simple as comparing schemas and going, oh, this is missing in this version of that version. Um, so please provide that feedback. We really encourage that. And then Ashramo, just so I've got it in my head straight, with the Outlook clients, essentially the new Outlook for Windows is consolidating the browser version of Outlook with the Win32 version of Outlook that we know and love. That's true. And they all share the same code base. Then there's the Mac Outlook, mm-hmm. which is its own code base. And then Outlook on Android and iOS that I'm assuming are on separate code bases as well. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. So Outlook Mobile and Outlook Mac are separate and not, um, uh, you know, part of the new Outlook for Windows uh, initiative. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so they continue to run on their own code bases. So Juan, from your perspective with add-ins, you still have to maintain supportability of add-ins across those different things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Across, yeah, that and mobile too, no? So the customers are still requiring us to, to provide uh, multi-platform capabilities all the way to the mobile in Android and iOS. And, and yeah, we're going to still be doing that. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on to explain that in much detail because I think sometimes some of that doesn't come across in these blog post announcements and, you know, just being able to handle my questions. Uh, also, congratulations to Ashramura winning the prize for not mentioning the internal code name of the product. <laughs> One, you mentioned it once in this podcast. Yes. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see the fallout from marketing when they hear that. And um, we'll have to get you back on at a later date, Juan, to talk about some of these new features. I'm kind of excited about sensitivity labels and security sides. Um, this comes up a lot. We've got a whole incubation right now that Brian and Cameron are running my team. Um, with ISVs around those things. So I'm excited to see that coming up in the Outlook clients from productivity side as well. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we, we can come and talk about the backlog we have, sensitivity among other APIs, uh, other features and APIs we are working on. Yeah, anytime. We'll be happy to. Excellent. Well, Ashram, it's lovely to meet you and um, stay safe. I know the rain that we've got a few people on the team down there. The rain is awful down there at the moment. Hopefully you're not in an amphibious vehicle to get home from work today. <laughs> no, I'm all right. Uh, we're in an area which is not too badly impacted, but, you know, we just had a part of the flints blown out. That was the worst of it. Oh, no, yeah. really? Right, well, <laughs> yeah. stay safe and uh, we'll definitely get you on. I want to hear when this thing launches. And Absolutely. Again, thanks so much for your time, folks. It's great to see you all. Hey, Jeremy, thank you so much. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 